It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And just after 5 o'clock, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today uh, is time to welcome back to the show our good friend Nikki Javalo, who I got to spend a little bit of time with out in Las Vegas. She worked furiously uh, from our table and seemingly everywhere else. Nikki, have you finally caught your breath after a whirlwind week out in Las Vegas? Um, yes, sort of, mostly. <laughs> That's I a think no. I still smell like c- cigarette and like cigar smoke from all the casinos, but you know. Yeah, it's. I, I do wonder, not like, obviously, we know a lot more now than we used to about smoking and, and the harms of nicotine and, and all of those things. But they had to at least know in 19, whatever it was that those carpets went in, that carpet was really going to absorb that. Like, it is nice <laughs> to see some of the newer casinos go for some hard flooring, whether it's wood or tile or, or marble or whatever it is. Like, it's really the carpets that, that just, you go, why did you guys have to do this, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. All right. So exactly. Nikki, Nikki's with us, of course, in the Washington Post, covering the commanders, covering the NFL. Uh, we might circle back to the Super Bowl if we have time at the end here. But I do want to get some early thoughts on the offensive side of things. You know, Cliff Kingsbury uh, comes in. People have mixed reviews on that. And it seems like that's kind of been everything here on the offensive side of it. Is, is there one higher in particular on the offensive side of the ball that you really like or one that you have a lot of questions about? Where are you so far on the staff that they've put together? Um, I think the one I have the, the most questions about and kind of baffled by, um, hold on, I'm about to tweet something out. They're just hi- they I'm hired gonna guess this, yeah. Floyd as their... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So here, um, well, I'll let you. T- I'll let you tweet, and I will tell the audience what you were about to tweet. Um, yeah. Other other folks uh, getting it, and we apologize that Nikki might not be first on this because she was on the phone with us. Uh, but the Commanders are hiring Cowboys assistant Sharif Floyd as their assistant defensive line coach. Um, he, of course, was a standout. I actually remember when he was drafted. God, now I feel terribly old. Uh, but I remember when he was drafted, he was big in the Cowboys mix back uh, when when I was covering them. Uh, but got, ultimately got drafted by the Vikings, had a pretty solid career, and is now working his way quickly up the ladder uh, in the coaching ranks, and he will reunite with Dan Quinn uh, here in D.C. So that is, that is the latest coaching staff hire. Nikki, have I stalled yep. long enough to give you time to tweet? Perfect. Well done. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Back Um, to the offensive side. Yeah. So the one that really kind of baffled me was Bobby Johnson, who's the offensive line coach, was the offensive line coach for the Giants, who gave up a league-high 85 sacks. Um, And it's not necessarily the 85 sacks, because that's more – that can be O-line, but it's – you know, blame can be shared there, quarterback, O-line, others. Um, It's more that there didn't seem to be a clear record of growth among their young O-linemen. Um, so that hires just, I have questions about it. Um, but, you know, I'm obviously no O-line coaching expert, so I'm hoping, guessing, there was a compelling reason to want to him bring him in even after he was fired from the Giants. So we shall see. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I am. I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's something there to like. I mean, there's obviously the tight ends coach they bring in has worked with Cliff before, but mm-hmm. is there any that you've been able to uncover or, or be told as you report on this, like kind of a common thread amongst these coaches that Cliff is bringing in on the offensive side of the ball? Um, I don't know that there's a clear thread. I mean, they want clearly like, I, I think the thing that I really appreciate after the last four years is just having a diverse group of opinion and folks that didn't just all come from a single staff the year prior. Um, you know, I really like bringing in Brian Johnson. His role is still TBD, but, you know, having a voice like him, somebody, another person who has, you know, has helped develop quarterbacks, I, I think can only be a good thing for this team. Um Defensively, I think there's more of a connection. I mean, Ken Horton Jr., a well-known name, obviously. He's won three titles as a player, another as a coach. Um, And um, who was the other assistant? Um, Uh, Pagano they brought in. Yeah, I mean, both were on Jack Del Rio's staff in in Oakland, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) Right. So um, here's another one for you. The commanders are... Um, retaining Bobby Ingram as their receivers coach. That to me is actually here first. <laughs> there we go. Nikki breaking news with us there live here on the air. Um, that one's actually pretty interesting to me because certainly Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin had disappointing seasons last year based off what we thought they could be. And we thought they could definitely easily both be thousand yard receivers. And frankly, in training camp, it looked like they were both going to hit that. Um, with with how Jahan was playing um, for all of the talk and and you and Sam had such a great piece on kind of what went wrong with EB and maybe in Mm -hmm. reporting in that piece does does Bobby Ingram's name come up like what what did you make of the job that he did last year and what have you heard about the job that he did yeah it sounded like he was well liked by players and like to be portrayed he had interest from others Um, so I, I think that's good that they kept him I think the other thing to consider with Tavita and Bobby is you know, they had more years left on their deal, obviously, since they came in last year. So that could have also been, you know, a motivating factor to keep them on staff, especially if they were, you know, well-liked and, and did well for their group. So, you know, that he had a tough task in, in sort of adapting to a new receiving core and a new system with the enemy and kind of helping to put all the pieces together. So, you know, I, I think, you know, having a little bit of continuity for some of these guys is actually good. So, yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. I, I think the continuity is always like having some level of it to be a translator almost at times can be very good. I, w- I did want to ask you about Tavita before uh, the, the Ingram news just just well, it didn't mm-hmm. break. You broke it uh, there with us. Um, but you, I know, had some conversations with him and wrote about him in the preseason last year. But as the season went on, like, what did you hear about his, how he was adapting to the pro game, what he was bringing to the table, and and then yeah. ultimately why Cliff, by the way, a former quarterback himself, wants to keep him uh, in tow here? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there are a lot of things to like about Tavita. I think one of the more intriguing ones is he's still somewhat unknown. I think he could be one of the assistants that's on the rise. Um, it's just not fully known yet because I, I don't think last year was a complete – you know, I don't think it could serve as a complete assessment for any of these guys. Some of them we knew more about going in, but for the new ones, it's not a fully complete assessment. But he does come from, you know, the, a West Coast system. He's played in it, obviously, at Stanford, coached it. 
I think the other thing you like is, you know, he, he called plays at Stanford. Um, he, he was also like a pseudo coach um, as a backup um, when uh, Andrew Luck took his job at Stanford. So he's more than capable of working with these guys. And it seemed like he had a really good rapport with Sam Howell and the others. So um, whether or not Sam Howell starts or not, he, he seems like a good one to, to keep on staff. Nikki Javala, Washington Post with us. Of course, read her work at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. People want to connect all kinds of dots when it comes to quarterback and, and every single one of these hires. They hired this guy because it means they want to take quarterback X or keep Sam or do this. Do yeah. you think that there is any connectivity to towards any of this, or is there just kind of a wide base being built in case they decide yeah. to go in any direction? And I guess the kind of the second part of that answer would be how much input do any of these guys have in the number two pick versus however else they could possibly fill out that quarter uh, quarterback position. Yeah, I don't think they they wanted Cliff Kingsbury solely to go get Caleb Williams. Um, I think that's a perk if he has a relationship with them and if the team feels like Caleb Williams is the guy and they're considering trading up to try to get him. Um, it helps if that's their motivation, but I don't think that was the reason. This is the guy that Dan Quinn said he had, you know, on his list of coordinators that he would want if he got another head coaching job again. Um, this was before Caleb Williams was Caleb Williams. So, um, yeah, I, I, and how much say, I mean, you know, I, I think there will be some collaboration, but ultimately the GM has a call. This is unlike the last four years where the head coach was the de facto GM and had final say over personnel. Now I think Dan Quinn will be involved, will have input, um, but the ultimate say will be Adam Peters and, you know, in part, you know, Josh Harris as owner. Um, but, you know, I, 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 assuming they run some semblance of a system that Cliff Kingsbury has run in the past, you know, short of that offshoot of the air raid, then you want guys who are, can fit that and kind of are, are capable to it, uh, of running that. Um, I, I think only so many coordinators in the league actually truly, truly, like, you know, build a team around players. They all say they do, you know, like we want to build around this guy. We want to tailor our system to our guys, but most of it, usually it's the opposite. You know, we want to find guys that fit our system, which I've never thought is the greatest strategy, but it's also difficult to do what like Baltimore did, you know? Um, so I, I think that will factor into it as well. And also his system is, you know, this is what Sam Howell ran at Carolina basically. So you could also argue that, you know, does that mean they're interested in Drake May? Um, right. But I, I think a lot of the talk of, you know, do these connections mean this at this point in the offseason are just kind of speculative more than anything. Um, ultimately, sure, those connections may lead there, but as of now, there's there's no direct correlation. Yeah, no, I, I that makes sense to me. It seems like the people who are doing that have – the cart and the horse in the wrong order, if you will, where it's like, yeah, that could be helpful, but it's not the reason that they're doing it. Um, last thing for Nikki Javala, who fresh off covering uh, mostly the 49ers last week uh, out in Las Vegas ahead of Super Bowl 58. I'm always curious, you know, you, you finally get to get out of the commander's bubble and you, you do like league level stuff with Maskey so well, unlike the, the corporate side of the league, if you will, or like the league office type of stuff, but to, to actually be around another football operation, 
for a week and get out of that commander's bubble. Is there anything you take out of the way that San Francisco does things that you found particularly interesting, or is it too hard to take anything when it's Super Bowl week and everything feels chaotic and different anyway? Yeah, I mean, this is a this was the fifth time I've done pool reporting, and I enjoy it for that reason. You just kind of get to see something different, and you're the only one that gets to watch practice all week. Um, you can't report on it or use it going forward, but nonetheless, it's pretty cool to be the only person to watch practice during Super Bowl week. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's always interesting to me to see you know how they run practices, how they structure them. There are so many similarities between all the teams in that regard. Um, but to see what certain teams focus on, the level of detail, how how much are players moving throughout the workout? Um, you know, is there a lot of wasted time? Um, and also seeing sort of the interactions of coaches and other personnel people that are over there. Um, I think that's where you really see some noticeable difference team to team. Um, and you, you saw it, you know, with Kyle's team. I'm not allowed to say like a lot of the details of what I saw. Um, I'll just say that Jawan Jennings play was not a surprise to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, the one thing that I think anybody sees when they watch a Kyle Shanahan practice is there's, there's never a wasted second. Guys are always moving. Um, they work on so many different things. Like, um, you know, in their last in that walkthrough, which is more of a jog through, it's like they're literally running through every play. Um, and it's, it's quite a bit. And it's, you know, guys are focused. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's different when you watch a team that has gotten to that level because Clearly what they're doing has worked and guys have bought in. So it's a different sort of focus and mindset when you watch them. When you're losing, it just takes a toll and everybody's frustrated and can't wait for it to end. So, um, but it is, it is an interesting experience. It is, is fun to kind of see how other teams do things. Yeah, definitely. It'd be fun to see what habits come. Obviously DQ was with Kyle, um, you know, Cliff has his way of doing things. Uh, you know, Joe Witt's been with Dan forever, so we'll see. Uh, and then again, we thought everything was going to be hunky-dory after seeing EB run a much tighter ship than it had been run the previous three years in training camp, and we see how that ended up. So, uh, yeah, know, there's a lot lot of factors that go into this thing, allegedly. Uh, Nikki Javala writing yeah. about it all, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Nikki, thank you as always for your time. Good to see you uh, last week, and uh, it sounds like I might see you later this week uh, for some other press yeah. conference that may or may not happen that hasn't officially been announced as well. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. All right, thanks, thanks for having Nikki. me. Yep, you got it. See All ya. Right. That is Nikki Javala with us here on the Hoffman Show uh, later this week. Probably get a coordinator press conference. Kime was in on his podcast. He thinks it'll be Thursday. John would know better than me. It just would make sense that that thing is coming. Um, but we'll see if that that ultimately does happen uh, this week. All right, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show, let's react to some of what Nikki just said and get you caught up uh, again literally breaking news during that so we'll get you all caught up complete rundown of who's in and who's out in washington and what they have left to fill on the coaching staff and then at 5 30 uh logan and i talked about some big picture coaching staff stuff on take command we'll share that with you then it's the hoffman show on the team 980 always live as well on the free odyssey app anthony have we ever had that happen to us before where like a reporter breaks news on the show uh, I think we've had been on before where he had to like cut out short to like go further report on a story. But I don't know if anyone's ever did what Nikki just did. Yeah, that was that was pretty special. Yeah. Um 
because she uh, she was able to to tweet out mm-hmm. and keep talking at the same time. Um, I will say, I remember on the old afternoon show on the fan, there was a pretty famous incident where Ian Rappaport was on and got a call and hung up. Not like he was like, I gotta go. And then called back and then hung up a second time and it did not go over well. Good. It didn't go over well for you as the host. Or? I wasn't. No, no, no. That this was the old afternoon host. Oh, on on the fan. Mm. Um, yeah. Were they were they angry at? Ra- yeah. Oh. Let's just say it turned into a whole thing. It got written up by awful announcing and everything. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> God dang. I mean, I get it. I actually understand both sides of that. If Nikki was like, hey, I have a huge scoop. I'm really sorry. I have to go. We don't pay her. Her employer does. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like it's it'd be different than when when I was on the beat. If I was on with with, you know, at, at that time it was just 1067 the fan. We didn't have 980 in the building yet. Um, but if I was on with Grant and Danny and a story broke. I was in the right place. There's no more valuable place I could be unless it was like, hey, I have to go take a call from a source. I will call you guys back with the information from the source. Like that would have been a good use of my time. But other than that, like I kind of needed to stay on the phone because what more could they want than the person reporting on the story on the show at the time the news is breaking, you know? Mm -hmm. So we got got lucky on that and we were able to ask about Bobby Ingram. We were able to ask about Tavita Pritchard. We were able to ask about everybody, so... Um. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to Nikki for not hanging up on us. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad because I understand it, but also like, hey, you committed to coming on with us at five o'clock. Is it really going to kill you if you're ten minutes behind everyone else? Yeah. You know, I I understand both sides, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, I wasn't going to be mean to Nikki. I wasn't going to light her up in a way that resulted in us being on awful announcing. Um, but she's stuck with it, and we appreciate that. Uh, and now we have a more complete coaching staff. Um, I just saw. Mark Bullock kind of tweeted out a, uh, a what's it called? Like a, a nice summary of kind of where everybody is. So I'm going to gonna pull that up real quick. Uh, so thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, Sharif Floyd. Um, actually, Sharif Floyd uh, posted on Instagram uh, him in a Washington football shirt. So day one with the commanders. It's up from here. D-line. So he's, he's going to be the assistant D-line coach. Uh, which rounds out a staff on the defensive side that has one giant hole in it, which is who's going to be Sharif Floyd's boss, who will be the defensive line coach. Because you got D coordinator Joe Witt Jr., passing game coordinator, and defensive backs coach Jason Simmons. Um, so I, I guess they could probably create another DBs if they just give Simmons pass game coordinator. I haven't seen that anywhere else yet. Um, I don't think, but maybe. Anyway, point is, Simmons there. Uh, D-line coach open, assistant D-line coach Sharif Floyd Linebackers coach Ken Norton, pass rush specialist Ryan Kerrigan, senior defensive assistant John Pagano. So that leaves D-line coach, which is big. They could obviously add an assistant linebackers coach, and they have quality control coaches they could they could go up or down the staff with. Then, offensively, you've got Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coordinator, pass game coordinator, uh, or senior or special you know assistant, whatever Brian Johnson's title is going to be, probably pass game coordinator. Uh, quarterbacks coach Tavita Pritchard, 
O-line coach Bobby Johnson, uh, tight ends coach David Ray, wide receivers coach Bobby Ingram. And then if you missed it, uh, Randy Jordan left for the Titans. So running backs coach is open. Special teams coordinator Larry Izzo. Uh, and that also leaves one other position, like big position, open um, to potentially lure a big name, Anthony. Do you notice what is missing? Running backs? Oh, nope. Like, yes, but no. It's not what I'm talking about. There's one title that hasn't been given out yet. Oh, assistant head coach? That is, is correct. I'm good at this, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's a little bit of a puzzle game. Uh, <laughs> I wonder... Like, I, I wonder why. I think one thing you could do is potentially in the future block someone. You know, let's say next year a team wants to hire Brian Johnson as the OC and they want to keep him, right? Say, like, hey, man, if this offense is good for another year, like, Cliff might be gone as a head coach. Like, we wanted you to be the OC then. Let, we'll give you assistant head coach title. And you get to stay in your job and we'll pay you like an OC. And then next year you'll, you'll, pro- you'll be our OC. Like, could that be a, in play? Could, you know, you always have that, right? To give someone a raise. That's a good title to not, I, like, I know, I know, obviously, it is something that is, seem, is prestigious and, like, it's good to have someone who has those duties, but you can give out the duties without the title, and that allows you to potentially sweeten the pot for someone in the future. Even if, you know, think about uh, Anthony Weaver, right, in Baltimore. He was the defensive line coach and assistant head coach. So, you know, obviously he's not available. Damn, that would have been nice if you could have gotten him. But whether you're trying to lure a big-name D-line coach or a big-name running backs coach from somewhere and you want to give them that title, or it allows you to eventually, you know, if someone's being lured as a DC somewhere, do you make them think, or an OC somewhere, do you make them think a little bit more about it? It's a way to sweeten the pot in the future. So keeping that title open as long as possible is nice, um, but it could be that they're working on something somewhere with someone right now that will ultimately get that job, which would be pretty cool to get that higher. All right. When we get back here on the Hoffman show, Logan and I talked yesterday, obviously there's some more names, but we talked more generally about the staff and kind of where it sits right now. You'll hear that conversation from take command Next on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Coming up at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Really, really looking forward to talking to Josh Robbins of The Athletic because he had some very interesting reporting about how the Wizards ultimately decided to stay pat, including a proposed trade for Kyle Kuzma that nearly happened at the deadline. Robbins at 6, U.S. Men's National Team soccer style, a coach Greg Berhalter at 6.30. Right now, though, a little take command action for you. Logan and I spent some time on the most recent podcast talking about the commander's coaching staff. We did record this yesterday, so obviously there's been some more names added, but we talked more big picture about how these two sides of the ball are coming together, and uh, those thoughts are still very much true. So without further ado, Logan and your boy on Take Command. Wrapping up here, our final 10, 15 minutes or so on Take Command. I don't know how much longer it's going to be, Logan, because we haven't done this yet. That's how yeah. that's how time works. Exactly. You don't know. We're not, we're not on a clock. 
We're not in overtime. <laughs> We're in the fourth quarter. I guess we kind of are in overtime in a way. We don't know how much time is left. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the rules thing, that was a question I did have. I, I knew the new rules, but as that we got near the end of the first overtime, I did not know in uh, whether or not it was like that was the end of the first quarter or like, hey, does Kansas City need to score before time That's expired? What I yeah, I was like... Is that they need to score a touchdown right here? Like, what's like, do happening? they need to get going? Like, yeah, what's going like, on? It was but really they, weird to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, Gene Steratore on the broadcast did say, like, no, this is this is the first quarter. Um, because otherwise, I guess you would have had a two minute warning. Um, so that that oh, makes sense I as see. well. Um, but there you go. We all learned something, even if some of us learned more than others. Okay. Uh, commanders have made a couple of hires since we last met, including one this morning, Bobby Johnson. Uh, now the offensive line coach for Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn. Uh, last couple of years, he's been the Giants O-line coach. I don't think the job he did in New York is why he's getting this job because uh, it has not been a pretty couple of years for the Giants offensive line. But well, uh, he's but, had some, he's had some other good results, yes. good stops. And, uh, you know, I think there's also a tape study to be done here that I know yes. we haven't had the chance to do yet where we go, okay, th- is this well-designed and poorly executed or do we have real questions about the hire that just got made? Yeah, and I, and I will say this though, like to to Bobby's maybe credit, and I've got to watch more film, obviously, of what's happening here. But just thinking back, like they do do a good job of like marrying run and pass concepts together from a formation standpoint. That's you know the offensive line coach. Obviously, they're coaching technical elements, but there's a huge tactical element to that job in terms of what runs do we like, you know, what are our best protections. I think from a run game standpoint, you see some some good stuff. You see guys that are well coached. Obviously, Saquon Barkley has had some explosive runs over his time in New York that we they're very we're very familiar with here in Washington. So I just want to point that out. Like I know that hire seems like oh no, that's tough. Like what's happening? But there are more layers to what that position does. And I also want to say like he's had a front row seat to see how to insulate an offensive line. I think New York because they have a bad one does a really good job of like calling plays, designing a game plan around insulating that group. So I think having that level of experience could potentially be very helpful. But again, so don't look at this as like on the surface and go like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. There are many layers to this position and hopefully like he's really good at these other elements and hopefully like, um, you know, maybe he just didn't have the right group of five guys up there in New York, and this is the right one for him. So yeah, and so we'll do some more tape study and yep, dive into this deeper uh, probably next week. But I will also say, like on the resume, even these last couple of years, like Andrew Thomas was a second team All Pro two years yep. ago. Um, so like young player development got got a pretty good notch in his belt on that one. So uh, we'll see. I I think to me the bigger concern, and again, this is a concern. This is not a death sentence. This is me. Uh, expressing out loud just thoughts. Just being honest, man. Just yeah. being honest, right? We're just talking yeah. through some just, stuff. We're just, we're just talking. Just a couple of guys talking This guy's not falling yet. We're just talking no. stuff. No, it's February. This guy can't fall. Uh, not <laughs> at least until, uh, until September. Um, but I, I think that the concern that I have um, is exactly mirrored in excitement on the other side of the ball. So on defense, Dan Quinn has hired Joe Witt. Joe Witt's hired some folks, Jason Simmons, yeah. uh, who they've all worked together before. They come from the same school school of thought. Um, they have personal and professional familiarity, and that's exciting to me. Like let's get not like not in the way that Ron Rivera did, where it's like let's just get the gang that didn't work get back together. Like these are guys that have worked together in successful situations. Let's get the continuity right. of success, right? As opposed to what happened, the ultimate bad example, I've used this a bunch of times on on this show and, and the radio show, is like what happened in Carolina. I think Frank Reich and Thomas Brown and uh, you know all those guys that got there 
there's a lot of good coaches that were offensively in the room last year for Carolina. They hadn't worked together before, and they didn't work together last year. They were that was a bad group. Yeah. And so I see Cliff hire, you know, or keeps Tavita Pritchard. I think yeah. Tavita was pretty well reviewed. Uh, seemed to be very sought after. Seems to be a good coach. Um, obviously, I think there's some questions about what happened last year, but how much of that was Bienemy? How much of that was Tavita? How much of that was you know, other people? Whatever. Yeah. Tavita seems to be a good coach. Um, I think we think Cliff offensively is a good coach. Uh, Bobby Johnson, O line, like, but it's a bunch of guys that got to come Brian together. Johnson, they got to they got to come together, and I think that that can be done. And I think there are some similarities in how these coaches have coached in some various places. But I think one of the reasons that the offense did not go as well as BNB wanted last year was a lack of cohesiveness on staff. Now he didn't get to pick any of those guys. Cliff at least is picking these guys, but it does give, it it is something that has to happen. I'll put it that way. No, I I, hundred percent agree. And I think like, cause it's like any kind of professional environment, right? You want to be friends or have a, have a, functioning working relationship with your coworkers, right? Like if we didn't like each other, this podcast wouldn't be very good, right? Because we wouldn't be able to talk through some stuff. I think that's what you're looking at here. It's like you're getting guys together that I think are, that have good resumes in their own right. But it's like, how do they come together? How do they gel? Much in the same way when you bring in players to a new locker room, like how do they gel? If you bring the wrong piece and it doesn't work. So I think you bring up a great point about the defense. I think there's a lot to be excited about there, specifically in the back end. You know, like I'm really excited for the secondary. I think all of the, all of their experience, all of their their kind of key data points on, along the resume is fantastic. But like you said, offensively, they've got some stuff that they got to talk through, they got to work through, and um, you know we won't have any kind of definitive information on that until we get later in the process. So, yeah, and I know you guys are talking to Cliff. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, we'll see. Yep. Yeah. So command center should have a, a good interview. I would also recommend. Um, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I might have mentioned this on the last show, but uh, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, uh, Sean McVay, I guess, was bored. Uh, so he and Peter Schrager right. did a podcast. Um, and so Cliff was a guest, guest on that podcast. And I thought I thought there was some interesting stuff in that pod about for like for Cliff talking about how it was a struggle at times to find the time to do be in command of the offense because you have to be the head coach first. Like you have to kind of mix and match your, your time. And he gets in at 4am and watches the tape and it's the only time he can kind of get to himself and he better be done by seven. Cause then he's got to get ready for the team meeting at eight. Like right. that's just the reality. And so now him as an OC and it, it's kind of funny too seeing some of the stuff that went around, like even last night after Mahomes wins, there was this great uh, list of Mahomes and his losses at Texas tech under cliff. And the stats are insane. Like he averaged in his losses, 389 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. Average. That's incredible. Yeah. Average. And it's like, well, it seems to me like the defense was the problem. So maybe <laughs> this Cliff only has to coach the offense thing might actually work out. But I do think, again, like the cohesiveness between he, Brian Johnson, Tavita Pritchard, and like making sure everyone is clear on their roles. I'm, I'm curious, like in your experience, have you been a part of staffs where there wasn't that cohesion? And then obviously like, I think most famously that 2012 staff was very on the same page, or at least by the time the information got to you guys as a team right. was, was on the same page. Yeah. I think, you know, there, every staff that I've been a part of, especially when it's not going well, like one that sticks out to me is like Chicago, like just guys that had kind of come from different areas, different backgrounds, different coaching trees. They all had, you know, they're all very smart guys, but they were like, this is the way we're going to solve this problem. 
And that just didn't jive, just didn't leave, lead to a productive offense. And I think, you know, we had a young offensive coordinator at the time. Dal Loggins, a guy who I think is really smart. He's now the OC uh, for South Carolina. So good job, Dal, back in the saddle. But, um, you know, young guy and some older coaches underneath him that had a very strong perspective, a couple that were kind of on the way out, just kind of wrangling all those cats. I think, like you said, like you talked about the film element of being an offensive coordinator. I think there's a leadership element there too. Like this is the direction we want to go. And I think about – Sean, I think about Kyle, um, you know, in both both San Francisco here. And then when uh, Sean obviously was the OC. And then even when I was in Houston and like Bill O'Brien's the head coach and there's the OC, like there was a very clear vision for everybody. Right. And I think there's that's kind of what that that offensive coordinator position needs to encapsulate. And I hopefully Cliff, because he's got the more time now, can kind of get that done and get everybody on the same page. And this is part of building the staff. Right. And I think you hire these guys because you've got pre-existing relations with them. And you believe in what they do. And I think ultimately, like, we'll have to see what happens. But, you know, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Johnson's the one that's interesting to me. Like, because if you're keeping Pritchard, Johnson was a QB coach. Then he was an OC in Philly. And he's got so much experience coaching quarterbacks. Like, he he was with Dak. Um, obviously, he's with, been with Jalen. He's known Jalen since Jalen was six years old. Oh, wow. Uh, because Brian's uh, Brian, when he was a, a high school player, was coached by Jalen's dad before oh, wow. going to Utah. Uh, and having a pretty good career as a player there. So, like, what is what is his role? Like, what is his position? Like, what is his versus what is Tavita's? Obviously, Cliff is a former quarterback. Like, how involved is he there and whoever this young guy is? And just as long as there aren't too many cooks in the kitchen, um, I think it can work. One thing that I do appreciate is these, this seems to be a pretty young staff. Um, yeah. Maybe Bobby Johnson's. I mean, Bobby Johnson's definitely a little bit older than the rest of these guys. He's been coaching for 14 years. He's the O-line coach, but... Um, uh, that is something that I have seen before. You know, I when when Kevin was the OC and Bill Callahan was on staff, like they butted heads because Bill thought he knew better at all times, and at times he may have been right. right. Um, but there's and Kevin was ultimately the OC, and obviously Jay was the head coach, and then all of a sudden Bill was the head coach in that final year in 2019, and that was uh, was not always pretty uh, all the time. So that that is a dynamic both in professional like you know one thing i like about brian johnson coming with cliff is like brian's played in a lot of uh like or he's a guy that uses a lot of spread stuff yeah so like similar personnel groupings but maybe some different ideas of how to deploy them like that could be really exciting yeah but how do they get along like personally professionally if you will not not do they go hang out and have dinner but like how do they interact as human beings in the building how do they respect each other? How is that information and those relationships presented to the players? And that's the same as in any corporate structure, but that stuff becomes obviously really important. And I think on the defensive side, because of the familiarity, you're not going to have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, totally agree. And I think uh, the other thing, I, you know, you mentioned like who who gets what responsibilities when it comes to Tavita, uh, Ben Johnson, and Brian Johnson. Uh, Brian Johnson, excuse me, and then Cliff. I think, you know, one thing that you're seeing more and more with offensive staffs is you're seeing a run game coordinator and you're seeing a pass game coordinator. And that's just because, and I think you bring in that guy like Brian Johnson because he's got that ability to do that for you. Right. And it just helps streamline the process a little bit. You know, Kyle had a run game corner a long time for San Fran. I think Sean had a pass game guy. I think it might've been O'Connell when he was there. Like yeah. it's, it's a valuable tool. So just getting guys who know offense, who've got that background, is extremely important. And I think, um, you know, we'll see how it all settles in, like you said, but I, I don't think it's, it's not a reason to be alarmed that there's these guys with kind of similar skill sets. Cause I think you just, as long as you give them clearly defined roles and give them responsibilities, I think you want guys that are, that are smart, that see things to get, like see things in a similar way and can come to uh, easy solutions. 
no doubt. All right, so uh, I would say the Thursday show. I think it'll be the Thursday show. Later in the week's show, whatever shows the next one. Uh, we will reflect. Uh, Logan, maybe give us some insight on the interviews with Cliff and uh, uh, Cliff and Joe Witt, uh, assuming that you guys get those guys on Command Center, get a chance to talk to them. Uh, but I do think the bulk of that episode will be a mock draft. We promise you mock draft 1.0. So take command mock draft 1.0. Let's see where we are before we head into the combine in a couple of weeks. Uh, so plenty of draft coverage between now and the end of, uh, or I guess the end of draft season, the draft. Uh, also free agency primer needs to happen soon because free agency at this point is now like three weeks away, which is nuts. Uh, if you like this episode uh, and you're not subscribed yet, do, do that. Uh, subscribe wherever it is you're watching or listening right now. And we will see you later in the week for a mock draft. Yup, it's time on Take Command. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where uh, I apologize to the folks who we uh, we had some double audio situation on the commercial breaks, Anthony, and uh, it was apparently very loud, but uh, we fixed it. I just didn't have the comments. Sometimes I have the stream. I need to be better about that. Every day, making sure the stream is up and make sure that we're, we're good monitoring that. And uh, I wasn't today. And then I saw the comments. And I was like, I know what happened. Let me fix it. And so we fixed it. We're a rapid response show around here. We are a solutions-oriented show around here. That's what Damon Mendelara said. Yes. And he was on with us. Yes. It was good to see DA, although my guy, I don't know why the hell he went to Las Vegas. Think about it. What time's his show on? Oh, uh, because it was at uh, like 3 a.m. over there? Yeah. He's yeah. a 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern show. Yeah. There ain't nobody. Now, he did get some good stuff on tape, including, by the way, you want to know who he had on? I think I told you this off air. He had Zaire on. Oh, yeah. He said it was like one of his better interviews. Him yeah. and Troy Potomalu. Yes. Yeah. That was, so that was, he was out there for that, which is, which is a good time. Um, but I will say this. If we ever, what, one, I'm never doing mornings. Uh, the only way I'm doing mornings is if I have a young child. There will be a small window where I'm up that early anyway, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna do a morning show. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing, not doing mornings. Uh-huh. If the junkie, if the junkies decide to retire and CK is like, we want you to, we want you to take over the mornings, I'll be like, nope, I'm good. Is that? Are you not a morning person, or? I'm. I am a morning person. Not that early. What about like 9 a.m. Yeah, like I could do the old slot oh, just, that you have with Travis. Just not six. No, six to ten a.m. No yeah. thanks. I did. I'm that. not gonna lie. So when I when we had moved over and I had to produce for Kevin, man, getting I, I was up at like four. Yeah, up at four, driving cross town, down here, having I've to done grab it. all. The, oh my gosh! Especially this is you know. I salute to Denton because he has to do that every day. Well, I mean, they're now at. At 10 a.m. Oh, well, he used to, yeah. Right, because we got the junkie simulcast in the morning yeah. now, so it's just Drab and, and Valdez and and those guys have to get up. Um, but I'm reading, I'm almost done with it finally, because I feel like I've been saying this for months, because I have. But like I, this book on sleep that I've been reading, mm-hmm. like, you, there's not, I must not say there's no amount of money, but there's no amount of money that, our company has that you could pay me to miss sleep. 
after reading the <laughs> effects of what happens to your body when you deprive it, especially of late mornings. Like you get what's called REM sleep, yep, rapid eye movement. Um, but it's like where kind of a lot of your creativity comes from. A lot of memories get locked in. It's really important for your emotional and and physical well-being like i mean all your sleep is but rem sleep in particular is very very important like you deprive people of rem sleep in a major way in like three days they turn like into they turn psychotic i mean that in like a clinical sense like you'll start hallucinating they've done experiments and they're like we don't do those experiments anymore because we deprive people of rem sleep for multiple days on in a row and all of a sudden they were seeing things so i am not i am not sacrificing my late morning sleep for I will do it for my child when uh, if, if we have children one day and they're on messed up sleep patterns because they're children and that's what happens outside of that no thanks also it's so stupid that we start high school at like I don't know what time high school is starts around here but like the, if you're starting high school before 9 a.m you are killing your kids sometimes literally yeah, I mean, I went to school and started school before 9 a.m. 8.15 on the dot. 8.15 is is more acceptable. But, like, high school, when you're in your teenage years, like, the idea that teenagers sleep in is, like, actually a real thing. Your circadian rhythm when you're a teenager is shifted later. You go to bed later, like, your natural one. Um, and so there's been all these studies about uh, both efficacy in school, test scores, things like that, where they measure SATs and, like, they have an average of like, okay, it's been this. And then we school shift school start times back and SAT scores jump like 200 points on average. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And then also we talk about like literally killing our kids. Like the number of traffic accidents when you shift school back, it's like a 60% decrease for traffic accidents uh, for like teenagers that can drive. Oh. Yeah. So... If there's anyone listening from any of the local school boards and we're starting school anywhere, I don't know because I don't have high schoolers. I don't interact with high schoolers very often, just the way my life is designed. Not like I intentionally kick them out. I used to all the time because I used to train a bunch of high school kids, um, but I just don't anymore. Anyway, the point is, if anyone's starting school, certainly before eight, like if you got a 730 start time for a high school class, high school situation, that's terrible. Don't do that. It's bad for your kids. Yeah, that's what cool. time does prep start? We start at 8.15. 8.15? That's acceptable. But also, like, your kids live on campus. Not all of them. Uh-huh. Some people also, like, so when I was in high school, I had a friend that lived in uh, Loudoun. And there was a bus that goes from Loudoun to prep, and we had to get on the bus at 6 a.m. No, see, We had to get you on fall, the bus. Unless you fall back to sleep on the bus and can sleep. Oh, yeah, I was definitely time. going to sleep for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And that's better to, to recoup <laughs> some of that sleep, but still, definitely not good. Yeah. Definitely not good. Got to get the creativity. The, the creative juices flowing. Yeah. Happens during REM sleep. Late mm-hmm. morning. Read up on sleep, kids. And adults. It's good for you. Anyway, uh, Josh Robbins, he's got lots of information. I think he probably doesn't sleep great all the time because he covers the NBA and they're on some funky schedules. You want to know some dudes that got some funky sleep schedules? NBA players. Good gracious. Anyway, uh, Josh has great information on what the Wizards did and why they decided to stand pat, including a proposed trade that was on the table that the Wizards didn't hate for Kyle Kuzma. You'll hear about that from Josh. And 
I want to talk to him about Jordan Poole, too, and kind of what happens now that we're past the trade deadline with JP next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.